This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, supporting journalistic excellence in the digital age. Learn more about Knight Foundation at kf.org. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. On April 4th, the Washington Post brought together journalists, advocates, and digital innovators to examine the state of local news and efforts to revitalize and protect it. Is there a local news business model that can survive the internet age? In this segment, leaders of nonprofit journalism ventures examine the opportunities and challenges inherent to supplying, supporting, and financing essential local news coverage. Good morning. My name is Eugene Scott. I'm a political reporter for The Fix, which is our political analysis blog here at The Washington Post. And I'm really excited uh, to be moderating this panel. Most of my uh, professional career has been spent in local journalism in great cities like Charlotte and Kansas City and Phoenix. And so I know how important what we are about to discuss actually is. So let me take this moment to introduce to you the guests we have here who are far more insightful on the ground than I am here. And hopefully we all can learn some things about where we're going in journalism. First, we have Louise Kiernan, uh, Editor-in-Chief of ProPublica Illinois, the nonprofit first state-level operation. Louise came to ProPublica from the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern University, where she taught for six years. Previously, she worked at the Chicago Tribune for 18 years as a reporter and editor. While there, she won a Pulitzer Prize for explanatory reporting. Also with us, we have venture capitalist John Thornton, founder of the Texas Tribune and co-founder of the American Journalism Project, a new effort aimed at reinvigorating local news through the power of venture philanthropy. And lastly, we have John Ralston, editor and founder of the Nevada Independent, a nonprofit news site covering breaking news and important stories across the state of Nevada. Today, we're going to be taking a look at innovative nonprofit models of local journalism and discuss the opportunities and challenges of supplying and financing these ventures. A reminder to our audience that you can tweet questions to us this morning using the hashtag PostLive. First, I want to start with uh, John Thornton. Uh, so you founded the American Journalism Project. You had a goal of raising $1 billion annually for this venture. I read last week that you've raised about $42 million so far, um, and you did that in six months. Can you give us an update on what that process has been like? Uh, it's been uh, uh, exhilarating, terrifying, um, just, just about any adjective you can think of, depending on the day. Uh, just, just to clarify, our... our uh, the American Journalism Project is based on three interlocking beliefs uh, that democracy and journalism are interdependent, mm -hmm. that at the local level, journalism is a public good, that the market left to its own devices won't supply adequately. It's another way of saying uh, a market failure. And the third is that that market failure is not something that our commerce or our government is going to solve. And so what we say is this is a we the people problem. Uh, with regard to local news institution, institutions, we be, become fond of saying that we're all owners now. And so when we talk about a billion dollars a year, uh, what we think of is a news infrastructure that is not unlike public radio, that's about a billion dollar a year infrastructure. 
we've raised $40 million, $42 million uh, toward an ultimate target of $100 million to serve as a sort of uh, force multiplier and catalyst to bring philanthropic capital into the space and also uh, increase the commercial capabilities of these nonprofit news institutions. Awesome. Okay. And John Ralston, you have uh, a long career as, as a veteran journalist in Nevada, and you've written for all the big newspapers and hosted public affairs television um, before you founded The Independent. Like, why did you feel the need to found that, considering that you have operated in so many different aspects of journalism in the state? Was, was there a particular gap you felt needed to be filled? It's a great question. First of all, I'll translate. Veteran just means old, I think, in, 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 in what Gene was saying. Uh, after uh, my last TV gig uh, uh, ended in uh, 2016, I really started thinking about, I've been talking a lot today about news deserts. Mm. Uh, and the media market had changed a lot in Nevada. Uh, a, 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 the biggest Republican donor in the world bought the biggest newspaper. Uh, Sheldon Adelson bought the Review Journal. Uh, the other newspaper in Las Vegas essentially was, was, was fading. And, and so I said, there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity to do what John suggested because it, it, democracy is so dependent on robust journalism. Uh, and, and I said, you know what, I think the nonprofit model uh, is the future of journalism, uh, unless you happen to run into a Sheldon Adelson or, or a Jeff Bezos, uh, perhaps. Uh, if your best friend is not a billionaire, you got to raise the money. You got you got to do this. It has been uh, some all the adjectives John used for what he's doing apply. Uh, it has been the most exhilarating and most exhausting thing I have ever done. Uh, as you mentioned, I was out front being a columnist, being a public affairs host. This is now nothing to do with me. It's these great young journalists I've hired who are producing this product. We've been alive now for a little over two years, and people are embracing it. People are supporting us. Uh, and, and I really do believe it's the future. There are other people around the country who are start, starting these up who I talk to. Uh, who call me and say, I like what you're doing. How did you start it? And I said, let me tell you. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, and, and John deserves credit. And I'm not just saying this because I want some of his billion dollars. Uh, I'm <laughs> saying, I, I, the Texas Tribune is the model for, for, for us all. They are fantastically successful. Evan Smith uh, has been a genius in what he's done with that. And if, if, if every state could replicate that, I think the future of journalism would be robust. Awesome, awesome. Luis, well, let's talk about your state. Uh, we know that uh, ProPublica as a whole is doing some really phenomenal work. Uh, but one interesting thing we see them doing is partnering with local uh, joint investigations. Uh, from your perspective, is collaboration the answer? Have you seen uh, opportunities and results come from collaboration that perhaps could not have uh, resulted from independent work? Absolutely. And Collaboration has been part of ProPublica's DNA since it was started a decade ago in 2008. And so when we opened 18 months ago, we brought that same philosophy to bear. And we have so far um, in our 18 months of publication partnered with just about every local news organization in Chicago from other small startups like us, including Block Club Chicago, which is a hyper-local news site as well as both of our major newspapers and the public radio station, along with a number of smaller news outlets throughout the state of Illinois. And what we found is collaboration allows us to bring different resources and strengths to bear on a story, and it enables us to reach broader and more diverse audiences that we wouldn't be able to reach on our own.
Absolutely. So speaking of uh, reaching broader audiences, John, you're very active on social media, on Twitter. Um, how have you used social media to reach new audiences in Nevada that perhaps could not have been reached uh, prior to you starting The Independent? Sometimes not so well, sometimes better th uh, than others. Social media is both the greatest thing and the worst thing out yes. there, as, as, as many of us in journalism and elsewhere uh, know. But uh, I, use, I try to use it. Uh, I still do uh, political commentary, and, and, which is my bread and butter. But what I really try to use Twitter now for is for what you suggested, which is to try to create awareness of the Nevada Independent and what we are doing and, and, and to uh, 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 announce... Uh, when we're doing events, we do events uh, as the Texas Tribune does that, that we call indie talks or indie forums where I've interviewed the governor uh, or, or we have a panel on an issue of the day like uh, education and education funding. Uh, but, uh, you know, any nonprofit is going to have a limited marketing budget, right? And we've tried some different uh, uh, kinds of ways to, to get the word out. What's really interesting, real quickly, about The Independent, and it'll surprise a lot of people, and constantly surprises me, is we can see who our audience is. Mm -hmm. And half of our audience is outside of Nevada. Uh, we are a, a, a local, fairly hyper-local, but D.C. And, and New York and L.A. Uh, make up almost half of our audience, which I think is partly because people know about my coverage of politics and they want they figure that there's some of that. But that, that that while that's great, it's also, it shows me that we're just not as well known as we should be in Nevada, that there are a lot of people who, and I still run into people saying, I love your show. I haven't been on TV in three and a half years. Let me tell you what I'm doing now. And so uh, we tr I try to really use social media. We have a Facebook page. I, I, uh, we have an account on Twitter to try to create awareness uh, of, of what we are doing. You mentioned uh, marketing, and I just wanted to pivot to John talking uh, dollars and cents again. Obviously, you want high-impact, mission-driven reporting, but what about revenue goals? Uh, what do you hope a return on your investment uh, would look like at the Texas Tribune? Uh, well, at, 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 the, at the Texas Tribune or the American Journalism Project, which... Which, if you could give us both, that yeah. would be great. Well, the, what the Tribune has done exceedingly well um, and, and almost uniquely well is um, diversify their revenue sources in a way that a lot of nonprofit news organizations have not been able to. And so, so uh, when, when you look at the annual investment that the Trib makes in personnel that do major gifts, solicitation, membership uh, uh, work, uh, commercial sponsorship work. The return on investment is more than five times the annual compensation fully burdened for overhead, fully burdened for benefits of, of those people. And so what we're trying to do at AJP is replicate that, probably not at that success level, but what we hope is that we're going to make grants to organizations with which they're not going to hire journalists, they're going to hire revenue producing technology-enabling people who then will, we hope, produce some multiple of that grant in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. And so we become fond of saying that, that when a, a source of journalism philanthropy think, thinks of funding a newsroom, you almost guarantee that you're going to continue to fund that newsroom. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do is fund integrated media organizations with diverse revenue streams, or at least enable uh, what are currently kind of newsrooms shaking their tin cup for grants, enable them to be integrated 
uh, media organizations with diverse revenue streams. And, and have you uh, announced those first grant recipients? Do you know who they are? Well, uh, we haven't. Uh, we, we are uh, f fast and furiously uh, both, <laughs> both uh, tr we're, we're trying to raise money and give away at the same time, which is um, uh, uh, new in my sixth decade. Um, the, the, uh, our time frame is uh, by June, we hope to have the criteria and processes sort of concretized and communicated to the field, and then we'll uh, hopefully be in the grant-making business by the fourth quarter. Awesome. Luis, you talked earlier about how ProPublica was partnering with uh, a diverse type of news organizations. Um, can you talk a bit about how that has allowed you to reach new audiences that perhaps you would not have without the partnerships? Certainly. Um, I, you know, first of all, obviously we're small and new, so um, it helps us reach more people just at a very base level, but it also helps us reach people who are most impacted by the reporting. And so just for one example, we did an investigation into um, some research gone awry at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and our partners with on that story were the Chicago Sun-Times, which is a local newspaper, and the Chronicle of Higher Education. And with those two partners, we were able to reach very different audiences, but both of whom were very much engaged and impacted by the reporting. Awesome, awesome. Uh, John, you spoke earlier about TV and coming from TV. Um, we know that the Indy's doing like some experimental things with video and podcasts and, and things like that. Um, what other things are you all doing trying to expand the brand of the independent within the state? You mentioned earlier it's a bit of a challenge um, helping people be even be aware of you. Yeah, yeah I've worked in all, 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 of, all of the media. You know, I started as a print journalist and, and, and then did some online stuff, and I did TV for, for, for a long time. As you said, you know, video on, 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 on the Internet, there's a lot of people know, a lot of news sites know. It's still tough to engage people unless you do it in a creative and generally in a short way. People are not going to watch long videos. We have started doing some. I just hired a, a multimedia editor, uh, and he's starting to produce videos. We're doing short short ones, the legislature is now in session in Nevada, uh, explaining how a bill becomes a law, uh, you know, kinds of things, or, or here's, they just passed a background checks bill, here's what the gun laws are in Nevada, and if you do these things in a creative way, I think it can engage people. We have a podcast, um, but it's a, it's a little, it, it, it's a little bit frustrating, because again, I, I go back to what I talked about before, just to get people's awareness mm -hmm. of a podcast, and there's so many podcasts so out many. there that people uh, uh, listen to that it's tough uh, to pierce all, all of that but uh, we are experimenting more uh, with video we I mentioned we do these events and we, we, we put those on video. We have a, what we call an indie TV page now where we live stream events just as this one's being uh, live streamed and we archive them all. And, and we find that people are going to watch s some of that stuff but not in great numbers. And so I think that's all gonna evolve. I think it's all gonna change as, as, as the world of journalism and, and the internet changes. But we're, we're, the bottom line is, and I'm sure you know this too, is we're willing to try almost anything you know, to, to, to get attention. It is tough. When there was the, the, to, to get through and to, and to get uh, pe pe people interested in what we do. 
Louise, you were talking earlier about being able to reach new audiences with your partnership with the Sun-Times and with the Chronicle. Uh, two questions. One, what's the most efficient way to reach uh, uh, new audiences? Or, or let me say, what, what's the most efficient way to support local news? And what type of local news do you support personally yourself? Ooh, there's a lot of good questions in there. <laughs> I mean, I have to say fundamentally, I think that the best way to reach audiences is through great journalism, and that lies at the very heart of what we do. And as John said, we're experimenting with a lot of different ways to bring people into our work, not just when it's done, but throughout the entire process. We, for example, have a very lively Facebook group um, for people who are interested in issues around parking tickets in Chicago because oh. we have done an ongoing investigation into how the city's ticketing system disproportionately impacts poor minority drivers. And that has been a way to bring a lot of people into our stories there. We also try to engage audiences, not just through social media, but in real life. Um, we have done things like conduct a series of performance workshops around the state in different small communities to enable citizens to talk to one another about the issues of concern to them and ideally to surface ideas for us to report about. We've even done things like mail out copies of our stories to people that we know are affected by them but aren't on the internet necessarily to see them. And, and so that, I think, is some of the ways we're thinking about reaching audiences in new and creative ways. As far as, you know, what local media do I consume? Mm -hmm. um, a lot. <laughs> um, and we're, we're fortunate in Chicago in that we do have a um, small but very energetic group of journalism startups, um, okay. including us. So some of the organizations I follow include City Bureau, which is a, a civic engagement-focused organization, Block Club Chicago, which is hyper-local, Chalkbeat Chicago, which is an offshoot of Chalkbeat covering education news. I follow both of our uh, newspapers, obviously. My husband works at one of them, so I better. Um, the radio station, I, I think all of it, yeah. right? There, there's a lot of uh, bad news often coming out of our, our industry. I, I was very interested in hearing any of you share what are you most hopeful and optimistic about? Well, $300 million for the Knight Foundation is a pretty good start. Uh, if, if you think about, if you think about uh, this notion of journalism philanthropy and how, how new it really is, I mean, it was a generation, only a generation ago that newspapers were more concerned about being regulated as monopolies mm. than they were about existential risk. And so, so I get impatient because I, I feel like journalism philanthropy in this country needs to be 10 times bigger than it is, and it does. I want it to happen faster, but then I'm reminded that in uh, philanthropic time and generation is kind of an eye blink. Yeah. And so, I think we've got a lot to be encouraged about, and, and, and I think Knight and, and increasingly others like them are playing a, a lead role. I, I don't think you can be doing what, what any of us are doing, uh, including what John does, which is uh, uh, if you didn't believe in this, if you weren't hopeful about the future, if you didn't think that even though maybe uh, uh, the old models are breaking down, that there is a new way to do this, and the importance of, of 
the, the work that we are doing, uh, I mean, just anecdotally, uh, uh, there was a reporter uh, who covered politics for the Review Journal, which is Adelson's paper, who came to me last year and said, listen, uh, I'm going to leave. I love what you're doing. I'm going to go home to San Jose. I want to start up a nonprofit uh, with my husband. And, and so I gave her some advice. She left the RJ at the, after the election. She is now up in San Jose. She started something called the San Jose Spotlight with, with her husband, which you should all check out. And, and she, you know, she, is, she says, everything I told her about it is right, which all of us know. It's exhilarating. It's exhausting. There's things that you thought you could anticipate that you couldn't. Uh, anticipate, but she's doing it. She loves doing it, and there are other. It's going to keep happening, uh, I, I believe, because there are people out there like Louise, who and, and myself, and others who believe in this model, who believe that this is that there is a yearning out there in the public. Not everybody hates the media, right. despite our rating. Right. There is a yearning out there for information that people can trust, that is deep, that has an effect uh, on their lives. And so, uh, uh, does that not sound hopeful to everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, Louise, yeah. speaking about the future, and maybe you could uh, add this to your answer, I mean, you come from a background in academia. I and do. so I'm very interested in uh, how that shapes your views. I think um, one gift I brought from the classroom back into the newsroom, and one reason I was so excited to step back into a newsroom is it really imbued me with a sense of optimism to be surrounded by all the bright, talented young people who want to go into journalism, who really see this as a mission, mm -hmm. and who I think we are, who are, you know, the future is in good hands. And I think it's our job to make sure it's there so they can take it over. Awesome, that is encouraging. Uh, unfortunately, this is all the time we have. I didn't take any of your questions because I had so many, uh, but you can tweet them on Post Live. Their Twitter handles are all on the Watch Post Live uh, Twitter account. Um, and I wanna thank you, John, John and Luis. And uh, now we will move to the next portion of our program. Thanks. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.